Okay, people. A new episode of Just for Sport with Jamoke here just for you. As we're talking the Masters, a tradition unlike any other. With a total purse of eleven and a half million dollars. Oh my. Major League Baseball, still kind of like opening week. You know, some teams like the Nats have not played all of the games that they were supposed to this week, but they're getting there. They're getting there. Excited for uh, what I hope will be a fun season, maybe a little more balanced. And the NBA, what a great game last night I was watching between the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz. The two best teams in the NBA that no one is really talking about enough. In my mind. In my mind. I mean, yeah, they've got the power rankings. Their record says they're the best two teams in the NBA. But I really think in many ways, they do not get enough credit for what they are doing with little. With a little. And I would say, I know it's only one or two games between them and the Nets and Sixers and Bucks. Clippers and Nuggets, but I'll get into the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz in a little bit. But first, I'm going to start with the Masters. And I was really excited to find out that Lee Elder joined Jack Nicholas and Gary Player to open the Masters. Justin Thomas is the favorite to win it. Jordan Spieth, his first win in, what, four years? Last week? Kind of on a roll going into this Masters. As I'm recording, Hideki Matsuyama has the early lead with three other players, but when you look at who are the favorites we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but as I brought up in a previous podcast how special it is for me um, and my connection with Lee Elder and last year This year, he's back to open the Masters. Last year in 2020, he was honored as well. But with the Playdemic Masters, as I continue to call it, the Playdemic in sports, to actually see Lee Elder back on the course was quite special. And... He and his wife, Rose Elder, really set me on a course of success, giving me an opportunity 
as a young journalist to go to the Olympics. All expenses paid. It really meant a lot to me. And to see him on the green in Augusta was special. Lee Elder said in a, he didn't hit a, a the ceremonial tee shot. You know that he's not 100% uh, healthy, able to walk on his own unassisted and hit a golf ball. I don't know, I'm, but I'm glad to see him there. He said after a press conference, quote, I certainly want to say thank you so very much for this great opportunity. For me and my family, I think it was one of the most emotional experiences that that I have ever witnessed or been involved in. It is certainly something that I will cherish for the rest of my life because I have loved coming to Augusta National and playing here the times that I've played here with many of my friends that are members here. And as I mentioned during the Masters in November, Augusta National Golf Club Chairman Fred Riley announced that Elder, the first black man to play in the Masters, it was back in 1975, was going to be coming this year. And that's pretty cool. The thing for me, when I think of what Lee Elder did paving the way for other minority golfers, it is, it's special, but it also made me wonder how far we have come. Have we come that far? Have minorities been, how many doors has it opened to play golf? And the ripple effects of him playing in the Masters and being a beacon for other minority golfers who recognize and look up to what Lee Elder did. Lee Elder went on to say, quote, I certainly hope that the things I have done have inspired a lot of young black players and they will continue on with it, end quote. And I hope so. I hope so. Back when he was playing, Articles that I've read talked about how he wasn't able to get served food at a restaurant in Augusta when he was playing. And they started a scholarship fund at Payne College, which is close by in Augusta, Georgia, because at the time, back in 1975, the school's cafeteria workers were the ones that cooked for him. But I also think of what was said by Gary Player as a somewhat of a stark reminder of still where we are as a race and that how far have we come in golf? Gary Player said, quote, you can imagine at the time in history how encouraging it was for a young black boy to see this champion playing. And then, of course, with Tiger Woods coming on, it was just absolutely fantastic for the people of any color around the world. That is basically the two players that you can talk about as a uh, black player. 
of, of note. To go from Lee Elder to Tiger Woods, yes, you can say some of it is generational. Only great players come every few generations or so. But it still doesn't change the fact that when you look at the history of players who've made an impact on this game and won at a high level and won at the Masters, Lee Elder and Tiger Woods. There is a black player, Cameron Champ, that is playing in his second Masters this week, and I'm sure for him it was very cool to be in close proximity and get to meet Lee Elder. But there's still a long way to go. There's still a long way to go. And hopefully we can get there. Now, do I follow golf enough as I move on to talking about what potentially is going to be the player or who potentially is going to be the player that lifts the trophy at the end. I'm going with the long shot, Colin Morikawa. That's who I'm going with. He was, he is at plus 2,500. Justin Thomas is a favorite at plus 800, followed by Bryson DeChambeau at Plus a thousand, Jordan Speed plus a thousand, Dustin Johnson at plus eleven hundred. I've heard some Dustin Johnson as well. John Rahm at fourteen hundred. I don't know if I can go much lower than that. But it will truly be. Uh, fun. I enjoy the Masters. When I think of golf as probably the one tournament that I look forward to, that I watch on a annual basis. The other tournaments, you know, U.S. Open, British Open, I watch, but not the same way as the Masters. And I guess we would say that about everybody. When I look at the favorites, what surprised me is you got a player like Roy McIlroy all the way down at plus 4,000. How far he has fallen. Roy McIlroy, in many ways, was probably the, uh, what would you say, that one of those players that everyone said would be the next Tiger Woods. That hasn't quite panned out. But then again, as we talk about generational players, you know, Tiger Woods is on a different plane. And over time it has shown. 
So if you're going based on some of the past winners, Jordan Spieth, who's up there, favored um, at plus 1,100. He won it in 2015. Dustin Johnson, the most recent champion in 2021, or really 2020. Tiger Woods in 2019, that was epic. It would have been wonderful to have him here this year, especially with Lee Elder. But it's unfortunate that that's not going to be the case this year. Patrick Reed, who won it in 2018, is at plus 2,000. Sergio Garcia, who won it in 2017... is at plus 15,000. Not likely for him, huh? But a good long shot. Bubba Watson, Adam Scott, and Charles Schwartzel go all the way back to 2011 if you want to go back 10 years. Danny Willett in 2016. We're going to see a new champion this year. I'm going to go out on a limb and say nope, I'm I don't I'm not picking Dustin Johnson. If I look at some of the runner-ups, Cameron Smith was a runner-up in 2021, or excuse me, 2020. He's at plus 3300. Xander Schofel is at plus 2500. Brooks Kepka is at plus 3300. It's going to be fun. Three o'clock, you start watching it on CBS when I'll start watching it. You're watching it right now, I'm sure. It's going to be exciting. But my pick, Colin Morikawa. That's my pick. All right, Major League Baseball. I am excited that it's back. It took a little too long for us to get back. At least it seems like in my eyes. It seemed like it was a long time ago. One thing I am going to take a snapshot of is seeing the Orioles at the top of the AL East at 4-2. and two. It might be short-lived. So enjoy it now, Orioles fans. Boston's won three in a row. They're charging after starting 0-3. Minnesota's at the top of the AL Central. That looks about right to me. I know it's too early to really make a prediction first week. Houston's right back where they started off. Seems like they're 5-1. and one. The NL East that we thought in many ways would be the most competitive division 
Philadelphia Phillies are five and one. Atlanta's two and four. The Mets and Nationals are both one and two, and Miami's one and five. I thought Miami would be a little better. They've lost three in a row. You know, when you think of where they were last year. In the NL Central, Cincinnati Reds are red hot. They won five in a row after losing their season opener. They're five and one. St. Louis is right behind them with the Cubs, Milwaukee at 500, and the Pirates one and, f and five. And then in the NL West, you got the Dodgers at the top. San Diego, who knows what's going to happen with Fernando Tatis Jr. That's an unfortunate injury for them. Probably putting a, a damper on their playoff hopes. Let's hope he's not... You know, this isn't a long-term injury. That would not be good. That would not be good. But I know it's really early to, to think of who's going to win a division or a league winner. But it is worth it to at least understand that there are a lot of numbers that are going to change. Even when you see a team winning early. I know I'm switching leagues here. But I remember back when Leicester City came out of nowhere and won the English Premier League. They got off to a hot start and never let up. So if you've got an opportunity to... Get a team while maybe the odds are in your favor. Like a Cincinnati Reds to win a division at plus 325. They're plus 1400 to win the National League. You want to try the Orioles. They're at plus 4,000 to win the National League. And again, I'm really talking about long shots here. I know it's not realistic. The Orioles also at plus 4,000 to win a division. But sometimes you never know. And that can go both ways. For a team like Cleveland that I thought is going to possibly win the AL Central. Or a team like Oakland who's 1-6. They always, in the past, have found a way to be in the hunt, even with the, I believe they still have the lowest payroll below the Tampa Bay Rays. So sometimes you just never know. But I'm enjoying opening week. Glad that the Nats finally started playing, although they won their first game versus the Braves. And then they played a couple double headers, which means they only go seven innings, which is kind of weird when I kept seeing that they lost in seven. Like, wait, what happened? And I'm just still something you get used to. That if they play double headers, especially during this play dimmick, that they only play seven innings, which could be really good for a starting pitcher in your bullpen. If you have a pitcher that can go six and all you got to do is bring in your closer to win the game. You give all of your middle reliefs, especially your long middle relief, some rest. 
early in the season because you're going to need those arms late, especially if you're in the arms race to win a division. So, I will enjoy the week. Hope you, Hopefully you're enjoying the week. I'm not doing bad in fantasy baseball. I don't know if you're playing fantasy baseball, but my team is, again, it's early, but I like my picks. I like my picks. I am, uh, I think I did a pretty good job. In my draft, my first pick was Trevor Story, shortstop for Colorado, then Trevor Bauer went with a pitcher, then DJ LeMayhew, Nolan Arenado, Starling Marte, Liam Hendricks, Josh Hader. I got some good players on here. So I hope you do well as well. Speaking of players I hope do well, I feel like in the beginning, I was on two weeks ago, I started talking about players that are not talked about enough for MVP. And that should be. My last two podcasts, I was, you know, trying to be very, uh, you know, it was a teaser. I didn't want to give it away. You had to listen to the podcast. But now, you know, we're coming up on the, really the last month of the season, right? We're almost done with basketball in the regular season. It's going to be really exciting to see what happens over this last month as the we get to the end of the season, week 21, Sunday, May 16th. That's the last day for basketball in the regular season. And, and if by then the teams with the the Two best records in the NBA are still the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. If you cannot vote and you have a vote and you cannot vote for either Donovan Mitchell or Chris Paul as the MVP of the league, I don't know what's wrong with you. You can't just pick the cool player. And my feeling is that when you look at a player like Giannis, you can't pick, you can pick Giannis, but we also know part of what makes him so dominant is his height. And that could in many ways make me somewhat biased. I understand that Giannis is an amazing talent. There's no doubt about that. But I also think when you're that tall and athletic, is it wrong to say it's a little bit easier for you in the league? 
that if you look at a player of Chris Paul's size, of Donovan Mitchell's size, that 6'1", right? I mean, we're talking players that are barely six feet dominating the way that they are. That has to account for something. That has to account for something. The Brooklyn Nets, they got three all-stars, three Hall of Famers, really, in Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. If the Sixers are there, yes, you could think about Joel Embiid, but also think the number of games that he's missed possibly is something that you can think about when you're voting. Obviously, Ben Simmons is there too. And in the West... You got Kawhi Leonard, the Joker, Nikola Jokic. No LeBron, no Anthony Davis. I I think they should be out of the running for MVP. Jokic is favored at minus 159. But I also think about this if you're trying to figure out an MVP. Yes, to an extent, if you're the Denver Nuggets, you've got to think about the playoffs. So you sign a Aaron Gordon to give a better supporting cast for Jokic in the trade. You get Gordon in the trade. And I'm going down the list here at the different teams. Joel Embiid is right behind Jokic at plus 400. Giannis at plus 1,000, James Harden at plus 1,000, which, you know, are pretty good value, 10 to 1. LeBron James is still up there at 10 to 1, but who knows how long he's going to be out. I don't know about that one. But I'm amazed, again, that Donovan Mitchell is at plus 10,000 and Chris Paul is at plus 15,000. Donovan Mitchell's dropped since the last time I did the show. He was plus 8,000. No respect. No respect. Not good. Not good. What is good is the balance at the top of the Eastern and the Western Conference. Three games separate the top three teams, so every game is crucial. Let's hope that the referees don't affect it too much. The next three, four, five, and six team a half a game separate them and two games separate the seventh eighth and ninth seed and the bulls are at 21 and 28 they're 13 and a half back from first three and a half back from the seventh seed og and anobi oh boy playing at the lakers Tossing around Dennis Schroeder the way he did. They're on the outside looking in. 15 and a half back. Two games back of the 10th seed. Can't afford to lose any game. Can't afford to get ejected. In the Western Conference, Jazz and Suns are separated 
1-2 respectively by a game and a half. The Clippers are three games behind the Suns. But only a game and a half ahead of the Lakers. So that 3-4-5, Lakers, excuse me, Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers, all right there. And I guess you could throw the Portland Trailblazers. They can go either way at the sixth seed. They're game and a half back of the Lakers, but two games up on the Mavericks at the seventh seed. The Mavericks, seven and three in their last 10. They seem to be turning around a little bit more. Memphis looks good. They're seven and three in their last 10. They've won four in a row. The Nuggets have won seven in a row, and so have the Phoenix Suns have won seven in a row. Wow. The San Antonio Spurs are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They've lost, lost four in a row. But good for them that the Golden State Warriors are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. So when the Warriors, either team had a chance to gain some leverage on the other team, they weren't able to do it. Three games separate the 8th, 9th, and 10th seed. Pelicans, I don't know what to make of them. I'm not sure what to make of them. But you've got some decent odds for teams to make the playoffs. You can get the Spurs at plus 390. They're in that ninth seed, as I mentioned. That's not a bad bet. A dollar to win Almost $5 payout. Memphis Grizzlies are moving up the ladder to win the Southwest Division. They're at plus 1,000. They keep playing well with John Morant quietly doing his thing in Memphis. And the Nuggets at plus 1,600. That's a big number. They're five games behind the Jazz. That's some space between them, but with a month of games to go, plus 1,600. If you like Jokic as your MVP candidate, then they're going to be trending in the right direction. They're 7-1 in the division. 8-2 in their last 10. That's not a bad number. Hopefully this hasn't been a bad show for you either. Talked a little golf, a little baseball, a little basketball. Tell you what's on my mind. Where I'm betting. Teens I'm watching. Trends I'm noticing. That'll do it for Just For Sport. I'm Jamoke. Enjoy another great sports weekend. Enjoy the Masters. We're watching a lot of television and watching my one of my sons play soccer for the first time. It'll be exciting. Ciao for now. <laughs>